Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamara. Okay, this week it is a stone-cold legend. The original rock chick, Susie Quattro. Now, Susie has been around for like 50 years, and if there is a more original rock chick than Susie Q, you tell me who that is, because I can't think of anybody. And what's great is that Susie is really going through, I think, kind of a, a career resurgence the last few years. A lot of that is that people who were heavily influenced by her are starting to speak out more. And it's, it's equating to things like consideration for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which she deserves. Why can't the Hall of Fame get it right when it comes to women? How hard is it? There are so many deserving females out there like her, like the Go-Go's, like Pat Benatar, that deserve to be in there and they're not. Why? Anyway, don't get me started. Well, to commemorate this fantastic life and long career of hers, there is a new documentary coming out on July 3rd on VOD and DVD called Suzy Q. And it is fantastic. I've been lucky enough to see it a couple of times. You may remember a few weeks ago, some, me and some other podcasters put out an episode on some of the great rock docs of all time. And I mentioned it in there, but I didn't want to get too excited because I knew it hadn't come out yet. But this, this documentary is perfect, and she is the perfect subject for it. Because for whatever reason, she's always sort of remained a sort of cult figure. She's, I mean, everyone knows who she is. They've heard the name. They remember her from Happy Days. But do they know the hits? Do they really know what she's all about? And I say no. And I think a big part of that is because, in America anyway, we've never really grasped onto or embraced glam rock like we should. And so that genre is much bigger in other parts of the world, especially Europe and the UK. But for whatever reason here, where she's from, it's it's never gotten its due. And so she remains kind of on the fringe, even though she's absolutely one of the most pioneer rock women ever. Now, when you watch this documentary, it is so fascinating. And one of the biggest things about the biggest themes that you'll see in this documentary is the dynamic within her own family. Back in her teenage years, she started out in a group with her sisters and they were all equal. And she was sort of plucked out and made famous. And you can tell to this day that her family dynamic is off because of that. Maybe it's jealousy, who knows what it is. And it's so sad because Susie is such a family first type of a person. Yes, she wants to be a rock chick and a legend, which she is and she deserves to be. But at her core, she just wants a family again, and it's not happening. And so we we talked a lot about that in this conversation. She didn't have a ton of time, but we touched on everything we could in the short amount of time that we had. I hope that everyone will check out this documentary. I'm going to tell you more about it. There's a big event going on in regards to this doc. I'll explain it at the end of the, of the episode, so stick around to the very end, okay? Susie is a legend. She's a tough chick, and she's seen and done it all, and she's amazing. We, uh, she called me from her home in London. I, so I got to say, first of all, I've watched the documentary Suzy Q a couple of times and I absolutely love it. And I think it's I think it's so deserving of you and your talent. And there are a lot of great rock docs out, out there, but I feel like this one is in the upper echelon of great rock docs. And I wondered if you feel I feel like the last few years there's been a sort of a buzz or groundswell around you that is getting louder by the year. It, it, you, you've gone from you've been this cult figure for so long in so many ways, and now there's a loud group of people out there who are really singing your praises in terms of like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and your influence and all that kind of stuff. Are you noticing that? Do you feel this groundswell yourself? 
Oh, 100%. And as successful as I've been, you know, it's 55 years in the business now. I've been having hits since 1973. I toured the world. I played thousands and thousands of people, you know. Uh Every year this happens to me all the time. But I finally feel, it's so strange to say this, I feel like I'm being heard. Yes. You're right. I'm feeling it. I'm being heard, finally. I don't know why now, but I just am. I wonder that, too. And I wonder if, you know, the... People can say what they want about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but there's a there's an aspect of getting a validation, artistic validation that's involved in even being discussed. And I feel like the fact that you you are on that list of people who are the spotlight is starting to turn towards is shining a light on you as an artist that people may not have known that much about or have forgotten or thought about as the happy days lady or something. This groundswell is getting louder, and I, I'm just really happy for you that it's happening because you deserve it. I want to, let's talk about this documentary for a minute because the parts with your family were giving me a lot of anxiety. <laughs> and I, I'm curious if your, yeah. sis, if your sisters have seen the movie and I'm wondering how they feel about how they're uh, depicted. Well, you know, that, that's funny to put it that way because they're depicted as they are. They were yeah. asked questions and they answered. Right. So they depicted themselves. This is what's so strange. Right. I was nowhere near. I didn't write the questions. You know, I wasn't yeah. in the interview room. Yeah. They agreed to appear and they answered what they thought. But I don't think either of them are very happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're not happy with how they particularly look. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Um, I had editing scissors, you know, and I, uh-huh. could, I could have cut lots of things out. But my attitude was, and I said it to the director right from the start, even if there are cringe moments in the film, if they're honest, they stay in. Yeah. And that's why everybody's loving the film. So, sure, there are some difficult moments. Sure, difficult with family. You know, your, your, your emotions are involved, you know, yeah. big time. But I didn't take out what they said. Right. It wasn't pleasant for me, but I didn't take it out because this, they were asked a question, and this is how they feel. And they deserve to have their space to say their truth. Totally. And that was their truth. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out where it's coming from. It feels too reductive or um, oversimplified to say it's jealousy. But do you? What do you think it is? Do you think you're obviously a very family-oriented person? That's very clear from about you even before the end of this movie. And I'm just thinking, is it jealousy? Is it something else? It's such a strange dynamic. They're, it's like they're not happy for you, but they yeah, it is. It is, and it, it it's actually a good question. It is, and I'm you know I'm doing a movie of my life now because this documentary has caused such a storm, really? and these are issues that I need to explore. I, I I mean jealousy, sure that's a word, you know. I mean, it, it's been said in the documentary. Patty really wanted it, you know. She did. Yeah, yeah. My little sister didn't want it so much. She didn't really care. But I think she would have liked the money that comes with it, you know. So everybody's got their reasons. But this is the this is the confusing thing, is my brother who plays wonderful piano and he was a child star on the Lawrence Walk show, great piano. He's he's a very talented guy. And I said it to my scriptwriter the other day. I said, now, what's the difference when uh, I had my birthday party in Detroit, my Mm -hmm. 65th, okay? Uh And my brother was there and he sat down and he played the piano for my guests and. Nancy and Patty, the two that were in the film, the one sister couldn't get in, Arlene, but they were crying at Mickey's talent and being a fan. Wow. Crying about how talented he was and oh, and clapping and oh my God, oh my God. So I don't understand what the difference is. I don't either. If 
I'm doing something, so I don't get this. I want to explore this in the movie. Why is it okay to cry and applaud my brother's talent and to them to say in my documentary, I will never be a fan, like as if a fan's an ugly word, and yet they can be a fan of my brother. It doesn't make sense to me. Maybe it's all girls. Maybe it's a sibling thing. I don't know. I don't get it. I love them dearly, as you can see in the film. I love them both very much. That's why it's so important to me that they give me a little bit of that, you know, a little bit of praise, which I don't get. That's how it is. But I don't get it any more than you do. Other than saying that there is always in every family, we we do have to be honest about that. There's always issues in families, sure, because you're dealing with emotions, you know. And and the difficult thing is the one got picked out, which is going to cause problems. Sure it is. Got taken overseas and made it. So even if you look at it clinically, you can see where problems would arise from that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I will always be the same I am. I take it on the chin. Yep. My husband likes to call my story the Cinderella story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, maybe it the is sisters bit, you know? and everything. I yeah, mean, it's I, I never. <laughs> yeah, can I can't remember once being told that I was pretty. So consequently, oh, it's, it, it's worked in my favor. Consequently. I never play the pretty card. You never see me do no, that. No, I noticed that. Yeah. I never play the sexy card. You never right. see me do that. Right. I always thought all I had going for me was my was my personality and my talent. Well, isn't that, that is all so that's funny, necessary? funny because now I'm, I'm going to be 70. <laughs> yeah, I look back at some of the pictures and I go, hey, kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's funny. You but know, isn't it good? I always, I, st- I, say, I say this is a double-edged sword because the good thing about that, what I just said, uh-huh. is because I did not grow up feeling pretty, uh-huh. okay, not ugly, but not feeling as if I was pretty. Nobody told me I was. When I got made a poster girl, which I was, uh-huh. and a sex symbol and all that, because I didn't grow up with that in my arsenal, I never took it serious. Yeah. Never took it serious. Right. So I, it, it kept me in a strange kind of way. Not having that when I was growing up kept me grounded. Yeah. Yeah, it's clear that was not... If that makes sense. I'm it, going psychological now. <laughs> no, it absolutely does. And that's very that comes across very uh, clearly in the movie because it's clear that you made it without having to play that card. And so many other female artists, I wasn't even going to go to the female artist angle, but so many of them feel or are impressed to or encouraged to play that card, to be sexy, to you know show off their midriffs or whatever it might be. No, and you I, never I, had I to do that. No, I never wanted to do that. I actually wanted to be taken seriously for what I was doing, even yeah. to the point of, you know, even to the point of refusing to wear makeup on the early TV right. shows. I mean, I took it to the nth degree, you know. Yeah. I just didn't want to be a, a girl. I didn't want to be a female musician, so I never considered myself one. No, no. Just a musician. Yep. And I didn't want to be, you know, be other being sexy. In fact, I've had many conversations with peers of mine, many famous people. You know, you might do a festival and you hang out at the bar after the show yeah. and you start talking. And right. this subject has come up more than once. And I've actually said to all of these other famous people who shall be men named, uh-huh. nameless, uh-huh. uh, when you saw me for the first time on TV, I said to them, did I look like a girl showing you that the girl can do it like mm. the guys? And they said, no. What did I look like? You just look natural. I said, right. Did I ever look like I was trying to be sexy? And they always say, no. Mm-hmm. And I said, what did I look like? Just like you were being you. Yeah. So this was my calling card. Yeah. This yeah. is my calling card. Yeah. I remain 
me. Whatever that may be, I remain me. Yeah. And on my on my current album, No Soul, No Control, uh, No Control is the album, but the, mm-hmm. the first single they came off, No Soul, No Control, that is me. You must Google it and play it. Oh, I've heard but it. That is so me. Yes. You know? What a great song! But it, it, if I ever wrote anything that was me, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I thought that too. It brings you, it gives you this authenticity, and I think that's why people are like Sherry Curie and everybody are loving you so much now, is because it was you had the rock bona fides from way back and didn't have to play that game when so many others do. One thing, yeah, that, and, I, and I and I actually refused. I yeah. just refused. You know, they say I kicked down the door, and I have to be very honest. I didn't see the door. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't aware of the door. So you just doing what you wanted it, to do. Yeah. It, yeah. it, does, it doesn't occur to me. Right. It, you know, even when I first fell in love with Elvis when I was six, I saw him and I had that light bulb moment. At the age of six, I thought, I'm going to do that. Yeah. never occurred to me that he was a guy and I was a girl. Yeah. When, when I was told I'm going to play the bass, it didn't occur to me that I couldn't. Right. You right. know, I'm the kind of person... If a if if a bad guy comes around the door and he's like a big big guy and I don't like the look of him, I will go up to him, and confront him. That's kind of how I live my life. Really? I confront him. Good, good. I was curious about something. One of the themes of this movie is everything, and it states this at the very beginning: is how much you have to give up in order to sort of make it or be successful or to follow your muse or whatever it might be. And there's that point in the movie where it talk, where you get discovered, not discovered, but you know, Mickey Mouse pulls you out of the pleasure seekers instead of everyone else. And I wondered if, if that hadn't happened, it's very clear that you had an urge and a need to express yourself musically through rock and roll. If the, if the entire pleasure yeah. seekers band had been discovered in that moment, would you have been just as satisfied? Or was there something deeper inside of you that needed to do your own thing and be your own thing? If you talk to, I have to use the word which I don't like to use, if you talk to any other stars, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's how you know what I'm talking about. Yep. And they tell you anything different than what I'm going to tell you, then they're lying, okay? Uh, they're mm-hmm. lying. Mm-hmm. When you have that, what I will call X factor, that thing that kind of sets you apart, right? You are aware of it from a very, very young age. Mm. You're just aware of it. Mm-hmm. So I always knew, no matter what was happening, what band I was with, who I was with, I always knew that I was going to get pulled out. Mm-hmm. Really? I just knew it. I was waiting for it. My, oh. I was sure 
waiting for it my whole life. I knew I wasn't going to stay in that band. I knew it. Huh. I knew it. Absolutely knew it. And I was always waiting for the tap on the shoulder, which finally came. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I, I knew my I knew my future was as a soloist. Mm-hmm. I knew that. You yeah. know, I mean the first song I ever wrote was called Gotta Get Away. Okay, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Gotta get away. I was really young, and that was the first thing I penned. Gotta get away. <laughs> right. I get it. Okay, you mentioned the writing. I wanted to bring this up. I think the those little interludes of showing you writing are so effective in the movie. And I, I don't know if you're writing lyrics or poetry or whatever, but I... Oh, that, that that's actually... I'll tell you what that's from. That's from my coffee table poetry book. It's illustrated, too, and it's called Through My Eyes. I'm really oh, proud of it. Good. And it's poetry I've written since a very young age. I didn't know that was out there. That's fantastic. Okay. And I was so impressed with that aspect of the movie being shown because, and maybe you can relate to this. I think you've even talked about before that it was probably, it was part of the plan to have the Chinny Chap songs be the big hits and be the big singles. With that might be an impression that Susie doesn't write her own music or... Or you know, write our own songs, but, oh, but show... I do write my own exactly. music. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But but we yeah we we had the arrangement in the early days. We had the arrangement uh, because uh, Mike Chapman had that knack, which some people have to do the three minute commercial thing. You know. Yeah. So we had the arrangement that they provided that, but I did most of the albums with all my own stuff. Right. And believe me, many many of my songs could have been the A sides. Good. And that's a fact. Okay. That is a fact. I agree. But we had that, that system and until yeah. we didn't work together anymore, you know. But, yeah. I mean, it's been said to me my whole career, oh, my God, why wasn't that a single? Oh my, mm-hmm. If I hear that one more time, I die. Why wasn't that a single? <laughs> Many of them could have been. Yeah. In fact, there were times, there were times when we were writing and uh, recording, and, and, and Mike would, would, you know, bear me up on this. A couple of the B-sides, he said, oh, this is really good. We better put an extra measure in here mm. so that they don't flip the side. You know, because that wasn't the arrangement, but it's okay. It worked. It gave me lots of hits. You know, I'm not complaining. No. But uh, now I'm at the phase in my life where I'm just doing everything by myself. And the last album was written with my son, written and produced. And we're writing for the new one as we speak. Really? And we've got about eight songs done already. Great. That is great. 
Yeah, I. Uh, it's very clear, you know, I mean, your songs are great too as a longtime fan of yours. There's really no distinction. I just, the bigger hits often came from Chinny Chap. And so I wondered if, if, uh, if it got lost in the shuffle. I'm curious, is there one that you wrote that you're particularly proud of? I'm sure, you know, it doesn't have to be a favorite, but if oh you Oh my th- God, so many. Yeah, give oh. us a little snippet. Get, tell us what the playwright is. I can't even begin to tell you. Okay. Um, yeah, no, no, so no control is excellent. Anything yeah. on that that current album, people they're, they're just had rave oh, reviews. Good. I think it's okay. probably my best album okay. ever. Yeah, um, I mean, you can pull out anything. Okay. Shine my machine. Um, online baselines to me right now, you know, uh, on, on Facebook and everything. I'm doing a really? baseline a day for everybody. Shy My Machine from the first album, nice. all about Detroit. I've written some terrific songs. Yeah, good, okay. Terrific I just, songs. In I fact, you can actually Google one, one of my best compositions is from the new album, and it was released as a digital single, and it's very unlike Susie. Well, it is like Susie, but it's, it's not my normal thing. It's a ballad. It's called Heart on the Line. It's been hell Trying to talk to you Lies are weak So it's truth I'll speak Under your spell Yes, I was going to ask you, you about can, this. You it just came do. out. Yes, yeah, I, it, oh, I it, know it. it. It's just beautiful. Yes, it is. It's almost kind of country-ish, very more stripped down, acoustic. 
Is that where your head is at these days? I assume I you am, still like I, to rock. I, I end, believe it or not, it's such a powerful song. I end my stage show with that. I'm on stage for really? two hours. Everybody's screaming and screaming and, you know, going <laughs> from the chandeliers and blah, mayhem. Yeah. And I end with this ballad. And you can hear a pin drop. Good. Yeah, I love it. It's so good. Speaking of songs, one thing that I feel like, so, I mean, you're aware of this. You're, for whatever reason, Susie Quattro and glam rock in general never really translated in the States. Bands like yours and no, it didn't, no. Slade and Sweet and Thin Lizzy, those guys, you guys all yeah, yeah. were, you know, very sporadic success over here. And Stumbling In gets kind of, it doesn't, not a lot of time is spent on that song. And that's your biggest hit in the States. Hey everybody, let me break in for a minute. We haven't done a midsection for a while. And so I wanted to catch you guys up on a few things. First of all, we should read some reviews. Thankfully, some of you have written up some very nice reviews, both on Facebook and on iTunes. I'll read a couple of the iTunes one now. We'll go back and read some of the other ones in another episode. But just, I want to say a huge, from the bottom of our heart, Yan and I's heart, thank you to anyone who takes the time to write a little review recommending our show. As I always say, you are welcome to criticize the show, too, as well. If you want, we take that to heart. But these very kind words are so meaningful. Let me read one of these to you. Well, I'll read three. That's what I usually do. Okay. One of the best music podcasts out there. Five stars from Uncle B67. I don't think I know who Uncle B is. Maybe I do. I don't know. John does a great job. Everything that makes podcasts great, John does. Oh, bless you. Great, unexpected guests, great questions, tough questions. John is always prepared with both his questions and plenty of background. Thank you, I take pride in that. I found myself listening to entire episodes of The Hustle, even when I had no background or interest in the artist being interviewed going in. John makes each one essential listening. Skip at your own <laughs> weekly or sometimes more often. Risk. Thank you, Uncle B. I don't know who that is, but that is really sweet of you. You nailed everything we try to do here. All right. Here's another one. JMAD66. Always great work. Five stars. John's exuberance for his guests draws you in and makes you proud to be a part of the, this club he's created of fans of pop music and the people that have created it. That's exactly right. I am, we, I should say, Yan and I are always trying to just kind of build a community here of like-minded people who love all genres of music from all decades and are just hungry for great stories, great information, behind the scenes, uh, stuff like that. That's what we do. Anyway, even if you're not a fan of one of the guests, if you give it a chance, his questions will make you glad you listened. John doesn't ask the tried and boring questions of a rock journalist, but of a fan and someone who cares deeply about those people he's chosen to seek out and interview. I'm a huge fan of this podcast, and if you listen to one, you will end up listening nonstop. Thanks, John. Thank you, JMAD66. That is really sweet of you, and that means a lot to me. Like I say sometimes... I understand if you don't listen to every episode. I don't do that to the to the uh, podcast that I listen to. I guess I do listen to every Gilbert Gottfried episode, but I don't listen to every Mark Maron or Chris Hardwick. I do listen to almost every rock solid, not all of them. I listen to most pods and sods. I listen to pretty much every rock and or roll. I don't know. There's so many out there. You know what I mean. Zach Lowe, Bill Simmons, whatever it is. Okay. 
This is a third one I'll read. This is from Diane Detroit. Five stars. Still great. Pretty sure I know D- Diane. She's very active on our Facebook page. I love Diane. Thank you for writing this. Been listening for about a year. I tend to get tired of things and move on to other podcasts. Not this time. I love John and Yan. Thank you for mentioning Yan. So much. I became a Patreon member. Never gave anyone money for a podcast. Not even Pat Francis. Ooh, shots fired. The hustle has made my quarantine experience more tolerable. Give a listen. I am so sure you will love it. Kiss, kiss, hug, hug, Diane. Thank you, Diane. We love you too. That means a lot to me. And... Let me, let's talk about Patreon for a minute. I have held off on doing this Patreon thing for years because I just didn't feel worthy. I didn't want you to think that's what this was all about. But as people were starting to send me stuff to mail off to people, I thought, well, maybe we can kind of make something out of this community. I've gotten several offers over the years. Like, John, if you just started a Patreon, I would, you know, I would uh, be a part of it. I would donate. That means so much to us. So we created it with two tiers, two bucks a month, automatically puts you in the running for anything, any winnings that we have. I don't get as much swag as like the Pat Francis's of the world, but I'm going to try. One of the reasons I don't is because I have to pay to mail it to you guys. (laughs) Poor one of our listeners, Lars, he lives in Sweden and he won an album, an Embrace album recently. And I went to mail it to him and it was 30 something bucks. Now, yes, that's a big chunk, but that's what Patreon's for is to support you people and to pay you back. And so I go mail this thing at the post office and they aren't sure because of COVID if it's even going to get out. They're like, you know, it might get as far as uh, international airport or whatever. And s- Swedish mail or the U.S. mail that may decide that, no, we're not going to send this thing. I've got it elaborately packaged, cost a bunch of money. I love Embrace, so I'm happy to send Lars this album, and it may not ever happen, and I may get never even get that money back, but that's where we are these days. So if I have swag for you and we're still in quarantine and you're in some other part of the world, I absolutely do not want to shut this down to where people in other parts of this world cannot take advantage of the swag when and if I get it. So I will continue to do that, but no, there are risks, I guess is what I'm saying. Lars promised to keep me posted and let me know if he does receive the album. I know the other winner, Matthew, did, and we've got the books, the Ted Templeman books out there as well. So things are fine otherwise. Uh, so, oh, and then there's a $5 tier a month. Uh, which more people than I thought would sign up for this. And with that, I will tell you whenever I do an interview and you can submit questions. I can't guarantee that I'm going to get them all in. Sometimes there's time constraints. Sometimes your questions are the same things on my list. Sometimes I don't know if they're that great of questions, but whatever it is, I'm going to do my best to work these into the conversation however best I can. So at five bucks a month, I will keep you informed on what that is. And you know me, you know that I love nothing more than to keep it secret who's coming on these shows. And so that's kind of a, that's a kick in the nuts for me, but I'm, I'm willing to do it because we are so grateful for all of you. Okay. Anyway, so if you want to be involved, please do. And there's also t-shirts and stuff like that on Amazon still, I believe. I haven't bought one for a while. I bought a bunch for my family and friends and that was a while ago, but I think if you hi- if you type in Hustle Podcast Merch in Amazon, it'll take you there. So anyway, 
a lot going on. Uh, the world is a crazy place. Black lives matter. I hope that everyone is happy. I hope that everyone is looking within themselves about how they can be better, how they can help their fellow man be better. So I hope all of you can find it within yourselves to be the beacon of hope that we need right now in our communities, in our families, in our circle of friends, an agent for positive change. I hope all of you are finding it within yourself to get the strength out there to be these people right now because we need you more than ever. Okay? Yan and I want to put our our hats in the ring as people who are fighting the good fight right now with everyone else, standing for what's right as best we can. I hope you all are doing this. Let's get back to Suzy Quattro. Is there an issue with that song? Do you not like it as much? Or are you... Uh, uh, I don't no, know. I love it. I do it every do? night on stage. Okay. Well, I know, I'm sure you do. Oh, God, but, yes. Okay. Well, I, I, love, I love the song, but it was just, it was just a one-off thing, you know? Yeah. It was a one-off thing, and it worked. It just yeah. happened. It really just happened. What a great song. Yeah, it is. What a what, great song. And the other big one I had in that same vein was If You Can't Give Me Love. That was a huge hit. You know, a lot of people don't know I have a great ballad voice. <laughs> yeah, point. point. They, they don't know that because my rock is what I'm known yeah. for. But, um, yeah, Stumbling and I love. Love the okay. song. Okay. I, I've done it since the day it was recorded with whoever is in my band, whoever is singing it at the moment. Nice. You know, I do it with my guitar player at the moment. Nice. You know, why was that the big hit? Did, did a record label get behind it more than they did other things? Did it just take off out of nowhere? I, I guess it, it just plan? translated. I mean, really? um, I think a lot of the problem was in those earlier days. We did lots of tours in America. You know, we did have lots of airplay, blah, 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 blah. But uh, Mickey Most kept chopping and changing the record label. Yeah. Every album was on a different record label. So you didn't build up that uh, family thing, you know, that thing where they go out on the line for you as one of their artists and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And also Mickey had a fear that if I made it real big in America, I would leave the label. Mm. I know he felt this. So I don't think he pushed us too hard. And I did live on this side of the world. But yeah. saying that, we did a lot of successful tours. I toured this in 74. I certainly made my mark. You know, everybody yeah. knows who I am. Yeah. We just didn't have the, the hit singles right. that I had on the, in the rest of the world. But people certainly know me, sure. Sure. Yeah. Speaking of touring, I think I read that you, you've like barely played the States in the last 30, 35 years. Do you not get offers to come play over here? Do you just not want to? Or I do, I, I do. Yeah, I, I, I do get offers, but first, I don't know for some reason. 
something always seems to go wrong. Really? I, I do want to come back and play America really, really, really bad. Yeah. I did one in Canada about a year and a half ago. Okay. I played at the uh, River Creek Casino, and I sold it out, 5,000 people. Nice. You know, so it was fantastic. So I, I maybe once this film is released there and it starts, you know, starts a little bit of a thing happening, and may, maybe then some, some proper gig offers will come, you know? Yeah. It just seems like, like I was I would saying. love to work there again. I'd love to do some, Good. some gigs in the States again. But right now, the, the uh, entertainment industry is on its ass, you know? Oh, well, so. of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 I just, uh, like I was saying earlier about the groundswell of interest in Susie Quattro these days, why not come do a victory lap? You know, it could be you and I don't know, Sherry I would love or to. No, I would love to. I, I, it just has to be the right thing for the yeah. right reason. You know, that's all because you can't, I, and I don't want to come and do clubs and, you know, I, yeah. I, I'm always waiting for the write off, but believe me, yeah. I want to come back. Okay. I, I'm not, not coming back. I want to come do some shows there. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I was okay. just curious what the thinking was there. Let's talk about Joan Jett for a minute because it seems like in the movie, she sort of took your mantle and had more had greater success in the states anyway with it even though i think she loves you and if and i think if she thought that you know she got the success that maybe you were deserved that would i i would imagine her that breaking her heart a little bit have you two become friendly or anything i just think it's it's a matter of timing you know yeah. like i think they they did uh, discuss that in the movie i think maybe i was a little bit early and then I think I, I created that character in Happy Days, which just was a bass-playing female. Right. And then it, it opened the door for her, and she did what she did. Yeah. You know, I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a fan. I'm she a did fa what she did. Yeah. And she only took the original, the original. It, it's okay. It was her path to do. It was my path to do what I did. Yeah. And it was her path to do what she did. Yeah. And I, I don't have any regrets. Okay, good. She's the best. and But it's so clear that she's mo not modeled because she's authentic to herself. Yeah, sure, sure, but, sure, you know, sure, sure. She'd be the first one to say it. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. You and, don't get a bigger fan, you know. She was right. a huge, huge, huge fan. Right, right. Yeah, I thought that too. And it's, you know, she comes along right when MTV comes is there. and It was just all about the timing. So she was there at the right time with the right song with the MTV. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So it happened how it happened, you yeah, know. True. But now now with the Internet, everybody can video. They, they can get all my stuff and enjoy Absolutely. that. So yeah. now maybe it comes around. I'm on the second wave now, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to your family for a minute, you talk very lovingly, it seems like, about your parents, specifically your mom. And um, it seems kind of clear to me that at at your heart you're more you probably you're more domesticated you would love to be a rock star by day and a and a mom by night or vice versa actually but uh, I, i'm curious well, if, I, what kind I, of an influence your mom is on you my mom is a huge influence she yeah. is, she is my moral compass she always has been and i'm very much my mother's daughter that's the truth. I'm, you know, where I live inside of myself, I'm, I'm, I'm quite square, you know, I believe uh -huh. in monogamy, you know, and right. uh, I like having a home and I like, I'm, my husband says I'm the wild one on stage and the mild one off. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. You can't do better than that, can you? No, that's true. That's true. You talked about uh, growing up Catholic. Are you still Catholic? Is that, do you think that's what influences kind of where you're at? That and your family life? Yes. Yeah, those, those you know, when, when you're raised a Catholic, I mean, that's a strong religion. You yeah. never lose that. Right. Uh, my mother was very strict, you know, and yeah, it, yeah it's, it's nice because I had the tracks to run on. I said it in the film. I, 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 even if I went a little bit wrong, I always knew where to come home to. And I thank my mom for that. 
I thank her for that every day of my life, that she gave me a good moral code. Right. You know, my dad gave me the love of the show business. He gave me my work ethic. He gave me the professional way that I feel that he said to me, this is a profession. Yeah. You know, and he pounded that it's a profession. When you go on that stage, you go on there and you make it count or don't go on there at all. And my mother was just that strict with the morals. So I've got a good a good grounding in show business and I've got a good grounding in being a good girl. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell. Your decency comes through. That's what makes the I think part of the film is so compelling is that you're clearly a very good person who's had this amazing life and that that makes you more endearing I think as a subject for a movie like this. I love that part. Yeah, I, I can't wait to get started on the movie. We're doing the script and it's it's, it's making headway now. We're nearly done and really? then we got to find the person to play me and I I keep saying I I will know yeah. I will know the person as soon as I say as soon as I say hello to them, I will know them. <laughs> That's true. I believe it. So you've done the documentary, but you're going to turn feeling. it into a in a into a theatrical release too, with a script and everything. Yes. Wow. Okay. This is going to be a movie. Great. I'm, I'm doing the movie of my life. Okay. Which Speak. which is on my bucket list. I've wanted to do it forever. That's amazing. I always also wanted to do a documentary. I've done it, and now I want to do the movie. Yeah. It's a story that needs to be told. I agree. You know who else you're going to get it from? There wasn't anybody before me. So if you want the original, here I am. That's true. Yeah. That's <laughs> I was so the true. blueprint, you know, and that's that's why I've always said my story should be told because there was nobody before me. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Well, I was going to say, I, believe, I read about another documentary that was made about you a few years ago called Naked Under Leather that is just shelved somewhere. What happened with that one? Oh, it's a, make a long story short. She's a very good friend of mine still, uh, Vicky Blue. She used to be the bass player in The Runaways. She did some movies. She did Edge play about The Runaways, and she mm -hmm. now is a photographer. And so we made this documentary. There were problems with it, basically. Uh, it, it became problematic because I don't want to name names, but a couple mm -hmm. of the people who appeared in it wouldn't sign the release forms because they didn't know they didn't like how they looked. So you can make your own conclusion on okay. that. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I get it. They didn't like how they looked in the film, so they refused to sign release forms, and the guts was taken out of the um, was taken out of it. So we didn't have a film in the end. That's too bad. Okay, I want to hear some yeah. stories. When you are when you're out there on tour with people like Phil Lynott from uh, Thin Lizzy and the guys from Slade and stuff like that, do you have any stories from back then? I mean, these guys are crazy. You're talking about being, you know kind of moral and not a druggie and all that kind of stuff. That's not necessarily yeah, the case well, for well, Phil. I didn't, I, I never got um, involved in any of that. I'm, I'm just not that way. Right. Um, I, but did I don't you hang out and craziness like, in front of me? No, right. But I mean, no, like, I just don't do it. I mean, I, 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 if I walk in, let's, let's put it this way. If I walk, you know, a lot of times you'll have a drink in, in somebody's room afterwards. If there's no bars open or something, well, again, you know, everybody goes in somebody's room and yeah. you, you pull out the rider from the dressing sure. room, you know. But I have walked into rooms before where, you know, I have been uncomfortable. Okay. And if that, I, one time I walked into a room and there was some some uh, not-so-nice films on the TV, oh, right? Oh, okay. Got it. And I yeah. said, turn that off. Yeah. I yeah. said, turn it off. And they did. Yeah. So I'm not the kind. I'm very, I was always very, very careful. Right. I smell danger. If it looks like it's going to be getting out of control or in any way stepping on my female sensibilities, yeah. right. I'm out the door. Okay. That's when I pull the female card. Yeah. I have the line you don't cross. Smart. I can be one of the guys, which I am. I'm a tomboy. Yes, I am. But do not cross the line of respectability. Good. And I smell it 
and I walk away. Sure. So I'm just, I don't have any stories. No, I've never been in any situations that I didn't want to be in. Right. I, uh, I worry that the way I posed that question, that it sounds like I was looking for dirt. I'm not. I'm guessing in the, over the course of your career that you've met a lot of your heroes. You've been able to kind of rub sure. shoulders with people that you love. And I was just curious what some of those sure. stories were. I've met everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I've met everybody. So, uh, but I, I meet them on a one-to-one -one basis. Sure, sure. Did you, you know, ever meet I'll have, have a beer with them, have a talk with them. And that's how it is, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we were all buddies. We, yeah. On that first tour, it was before I was even successful. I was the opening act for um, Slade's first international tour of yeah. the UK. Yeah. And Thin Lizzy was opening, and then Mickey got me on the show, and I was the opening opening, you know. Uh -huh. I had 20 minutes at the beginning of the show. We all knew each other very well. I, Nadi's still a good friend of mine. Nice. Phil Blessing, you know, I just took part in a documentary about him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm just one of the musicians when yeah. I'm with these people. Sure. Did you ever get to meet Elvis? He invited me. It's a famous story. Oh, um, I don't think I know this story. Oh, okay. 1974, I was in America on tour. Uh -huh. My version of All Shook Up was in the lower ends of the charts, uh, I think at number 40 or something. And I was in uh, Memphis, and the phone rang. I was in my hotel room, and it was Elvis's people. And all of a sudden, he was on the line, and he said, I've heard your version of All Shook Up, and I think it's the best since my own, and I'd Ooh. like to invite you to Graceland. Yeah, and I said no. Was it like a, a man? Because I wasn't quite ready to meet him. Uh, I'd had about three hits, yeah. and I wanted to kind of be more on an equal basis. Not that you ever could with Elvis, but I wanted to be. So I said no, but I didn't know he was going to die, obviously. Yeah. So I didn't ever get my chance. Oh, that's too bad. But I wrote Singing with Angels, which you have to Google. Okay. One of my best ever songs. And if I had met Elvis, I would never have written it. It's a tribute to him. And I recorded it in Nashville with James Burton on guitar and the Jordanaires. Ooh. So if nice. I met Elvis, I know. If I you Google it, it's, okay. it's become a cult hit. I heard your voice late last night. I heard you say, Are you lonesome tonight? I saw you crying in the chapel light. Love me tender and treat me nice Lonely boy got the G.I. blues That's all right, mama's watching over you Wise men say if you don't be cruel You'll get to heaven wearing blue 
impersonators recorded and it gets played at funerals really? if I met Elvis I wouldn't have written it and even uh, Ray Walker from the Jordanaires he said to me it's the best Elvis tribute song he ever heard really nice so I think it was my my destiny to write that particular song yeah speaking of songs okay let's be honest for a second what what the heck does can the can mean <laughs> you know you probably oh get asked God. that all the time what does yeah. this even mean I know, Mike. Mike, Mike is nutty sometimes. Um, <laughs> I I took it to mean like the American phrase when you say "can it." In other words, yeah. "can it" put put it somewhere safe. Right. Okay. Okay. I, yeah. I but he used to write nonsensical lyrics a lot of the time, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's one of the greatest songwriters. Whatever it is, ever. it sounded right. Yes, it works. Huh? It, he's one of the greatest songwriters it ever, works. and yeah. it works. But I just thought, does it? Have, yeah, it works. Yeah. Do we know what this doesn't even always means? make sense? But it works. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned making another album with your son. How, when is that going to come out? Well, they've taken up the option on this next album. So luckily, this lockdown for us, because yeah. my son's on the road a lot of the time. Okay. And I'm on the road all the time. But because of the lockdown, mm -hmm. we have a little studio in the back in my garden. And we're in there writing. We've got eight songs done already. So it's incredible. That's great. Eight songs ready. That's great. And we've Good written them all during this lockdown. Yeah. 
which uh, has affected the writing, obviously. So there's some real interesting tunes coming up. Is he a musician in his own right? I only know him through listening to your album with him. Yeah, he's he's a very good guitar player. He's a talented songwriter. And we, like I said, we wrote and produced the last album together. Yeah. And I didn't see it coming. I had no idea this was going to happen. He just wanted to write with me. And I said, okay, and all of a sudden it got serious, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know this. I didn't know what was going to happen. It just happened. Right. But the um, album is very organic. Good. Okay. Well, I love the last one, so this will be great. Okay, we're coming up at the end of the time. I am curious, what's left for Susie Quattro to do? I mean, yeah, what, uh, what do well, you... Well, the movie. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I you know... You and, were... and what's left? What's left? Get me in the fucking Hall of Fame. Excuse me. Yes. Sorry. That's what's left. You know, they, they need... They need to correct that. That's not right. No, they nobody do. can make that right, can they? Well, it, it doesn't the, make any sense. No, and it's you know they struggle. It feels like sometimes they struggle or can't seem to get their act together when it comes to putting women in there anyway, as evidenced by you and yeah. Well, and, excuse and, uh, me. Hello, I'm the first one. So exactly. put the first one in. That's <laughs> what they do. They're so dumb. It's to exactly. me. To me, it's like a no-brainer. Yeah. I know a lot of people have said to me, you're not in it. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Okay. They, anyway. Anyway. So that, that, um, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I've got a, I'm doing a lyric book as we speak. I'm doing oh, that too. I've kind of done everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the movie coming out will be a big, big thing, getting this next album out. I'm still, I'm, I'm not ready to stop. Let's put it that way. Good. Good. Well, you're the best. You're a legend, Susie. This, uh, this is, I'm a huge fan of yours, and this meant a lot to me to be able to talk to you. Thanks for doing this with me. All right, there you have it. Susie Quattro, the legend. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I wanted to close it out. I mentioned in there that sometimes her songwriting gets gets short shrift because so many of those hits were written by Chitty Chap. Well, I want to close it out with an example of a song I love of hers. It's called Mama's Boy. It's off, I think, her sixth album from 1979, Susie and Other Four-Letter Words. It's a classic. Anyway. All right, let me tell you what's happening because there's a big event I want you to know about. Now, because of the pandemic and movie theaters being closed, obviously, this event has become a virtual event. Kathy Valentine of the Go-Go's and Sherry Curie of the Runaways are hosting a virtual Q&A with Suzy to sort of debut the the, uh, documentary Suzy Q. And it's happening on July 1st. It is only a 24-hour event. So you have to sign in and do it uh, or else it's going to be gone. It's not something you can pick up later. We put the link to the event in the show notes. So if you want to go to the description of this show, the link is in there and you can uh, join up and be a part of this virtual event. So you can see the show, submit questions, listen to Kathy and Cherie fawn all over her deservedly. Anyway, check that out. And if you miss this event, that's fine because afterwards... Do what you have to do to check out the Suzy Q documentary. It is going to be well worth your time. She is the perfect subject for a rock doc in this day and age. She deserves it. Now, next week, well, get this. Next week is my birthday. And so I'm celebrating my birthday with all of you by hearing from one of my dream guests. And uh, it's a producer. And uh, if you've listened to some of my like top five producers of all time lists, you might know who this person is. I will tell you it is probably not the person you're thinking of. It's someone else who I love almost as much. 
So come back next week, say happy birthday to me, and listen to one of my favorite conversations with one of my favorite producers of all time. You're going to love it, okay? Huge thanks, as always, to Yan the Man Makevich for everything you do. Thank you, buddy, for being my partner in this. Guys, find us on Facebook, like our page, send us a message, send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. And I believe we still have another deep dive coming out later this week, just depending on Yan and I's schedule, but we've got one more in the can, okay? So look for that in a few days as well. Thanks, everybody. We love you.